Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Kenitra Bryant, and today's motivational aim targets doubted aims. For those listening for the first time, I am covering a series entitled Aim. My aim for this series is to encourage listeners to aim towards their God-honoring targeted goals. And if you have not already, feel free to listen to the previous episodes in this series as well as all other series and episodes, okay? The motivational aim, doubted aims, targets in on the importance of perseverance in the midst of the aims God told you or directed you to complete, even when things don't look like they're going right. It looks like everything's going left. And things might appear as if they are going wrong, but continue aiming towards your God-honoring targets God's way. The scripture that I've been reviewing repeatedly and meditating on throughout this series is Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th through the 9th verse, but we've expanded it to Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th through the 11th verse. In this scripture, this promise, we should be able to quote with no problem, no issue and no hesitation because of how many times you've heard it and I've said it throughout this series. But I want to go over this promise from God to us again because it ties into not only this series, but really each motivational aim. So here is Isaiah the 55th chapter in the 8th. Through the 11th verse, okay? Remember, this is our Heavenly Father, Father God, speaking to us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I advise you to open up your Bible and read that passage, that promise from God, every time a doubt comes into your mind about the path God has you on or directs you to. So that is a passage, a promise from God that we should meditate on, whether we open up the Bible and read it, directly from the Word of God, or we write it down, we meditate on it, we post it somewhere on a wall, on our phone, whatever it may be where you have access to that promise when those doubts come into your mind. Remember, God has planted you to bear much fruit with the God-honoring aims He's already placed on the inside of you. John the 15th chapter and the 16th verse says, this is God speaking to us once again, you have not chosen me, 
but I have chosen you and I have appointed and placed and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give to you. And that is a powerful promise from my Heavenly Father. That is a powerful promise from Jesus Christ, our Savior and Deliverer. Because God already confirmed and told us by and through His Son, Jesus, that He chose us. So God chose you. God appointed you. And God purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing fruit that will remain and be lasting in the kingdom of God. But one thing we have to remember is as we pursue those God-honoring goals, those God-honoring aims that God chose us for, that God appointed us for, that God placed us for, and God purposefully planted us for to produce God-honoring fruit, it's not going to go the way that we think it's going to go. It might not, and most of the time, it's not going to go the way we thought. Why? Because God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways, and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But we can rest assured and know without a doubt that although doubts arise, and it looks like things are not going right. If we are doing what God commanded us to do, they are going right. Because if we are yielding to God, we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, we're yielding to the Word of God, and God confirmed those aims in your heart, He established those aims within your heart. He is guiding you as you complete those God-honoring aims. Yes, situations and debris might appear in your life. It might not look right to you. It might not feel right to you. The right might even look wrong sometimes. But God promised that God causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. That is Romans, the 8th chapter and the 28th verse all day long. And that's another scripture that you can meditate on when those doubts come in your mind. Isaiah, the 55th chapter and the 8th through the 11th verse and then Romans 8, 28. You have to meditate on that. You have to know that. You have to believe that. You have to be so sure about God's word in your life like you know your name and you might not know the entire bible verbatim scripture and verse and book and chapter and promise and layout you might not know that but there should be some key scriptures key promises in God's word that you've extracted that you have close to you at all times so when you're going through something you can meditate on what God said, knowing fully that God is not a liar. He is going to complete what
but he's confirmed whatever he said it's going to be done it's done already it's established but we have to get into alignment that's what we need to do but you have to know those promises like you know your name so when anything comes up and when things don't look right when everything looks like it's falling apart and you know full well, okay, Lord, you told me to do this. You chose me to do this. You called me to do this. You purposed me to do this. You planted me to do this. You anointed me to do this. You endorsed me to do this. Lord, even though things are not looking right, let me stand on. Meditate on. Refresh myself with your word because I know you're not a liar. Romans 8, 28 and Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Okay. It should be where you turn to God's word even though worry tries to turn to you. It should be where you are meditating on God's word and having a conversation with your heavenly father. All right, Lord, I hear you. I know what you said. Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding me and encouraging me on what God said. I have this doubt right now, but you told me, Father God, that all things are working together for my good. I hear you. You told me that Things are working together. All things are working together as a plan for good for me because I love you and I've been called according to your plan and your purpose. Okay. All right, Lord, you said that no weapon that is formed against me will succeed and every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I will condemn. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. That is Isaiah, the 54th chapter and the 17th verse. And I want to read Isaiah, the 54th chapter and the 17th verse from the message translation. It says, if anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. This is God speaking to us. If anyone attacks you. Don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. And if any should attack, nothing will come of it. I create the blacksmith who fires up his forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. But no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. God's decree. Another scripture you can meditate when those doubts come into your mind is John the 15th chapter and the 16th verse that I just read. When God is speaking to us through Jesus when he says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have appointed you and placed you and purposefully planted you so that you would go and bear fruit and keep on bearing. And that your fruit 
will remain and be lasting so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name as my representative, he may give to you. But the aim is to continue meditating on God's word because doubts are going to come. And doubts are a form of debris, although this is a different motivational aim. Doubts serve as debris. When one is pursuing and aiming to accomplish their God-honoring aims. But you have to get that down on the inside of you. I have to get it down on inside of me when doubts come up. You have to because when you understand and you know who God is, what God can do, and believe who he is and how much he loves you, doubts have no place in your life. They just don't. Don't forget that your identity is in God's name, in God's word, in his power, in his promises for you. Despite any doubts that come up as you aim towards your God-honoring targeted goals. You could have a goal to raise a God-honoring, God-fearing family in a world that doesn't respect God. Let's not even go that far out. Your goal could be to raise a God-honoring family, God-honoring, fearing family in a family amongst relatives in a community in a region in an area in a generation that does not respect God your aim could be to serve other people your God honoring aim could be to bless others your aim could be to be a God honoring friend a God-honoring employee, a God-honoring employer, a God-honoring mentor. All of the wrong could be going on at the job, but your aim could be to rise above the debris of mess and gossip and people stealing, doing wrong, and... You want to do things God's way, but then you see, is it even worth it? You have doubts about it. Your aim could be to live a God-honoring lifestyle while people walk away from you and they choose, they choose wrong. They choose the wicked. They choose the evil over the righteous. And they'll tell you, I mean, you cool, you nice. You this, you that. But they can't, and it's not that they can't. They might not want to give you a reason of why they walk away from you in scenarios like that. Because if they do that, they'll condemn themselves. And they'll expose their intentions. And if they don't want those uncovered, they'll just, and I can't, I can't do that. They don't want the light of your God-honoring lifestyle to shine on what they're doing, whether it be in your face or behind your back, because it's going to be uncovered. It's going to be exposed. It always is. I don't care how long it takes. 
it will be exposed. And then you will get a revelation on why they walked away. If they did not provide a plausible, reasonable explanation. But the Lord will tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. But your aim could be to live a God-honoring lifestyle. People walk away from you because you are aiming to live a God-honoring lifestyle. God's way. Not your way, but God's way. People walk away from you and they choose and they elect and they make the decision to be united with people who boldly disobey God, boldly dishonor God, boldly do what they want to do. Where God is, or God is not in what they're doing, but they rather go over there because it looks appealing. They've been doing whatever they've been doing for so long, it seems as if they have a grasp on the wrong they're doing. They think they can control the outcomes because they've been managing what they've been doing with no problem just yet. But remember, every seed produces a harvest, whether it is a harvest a person wants or a harvest a person does not want. And I think I touched on this in the previous episode, aiming through debris, where people connect with the wrong people and then wonder why things are happening in their life. When they disconnected from the person or the group God put in their path to connect with to take them to another level. But sometimes individuals don't get that revelation until years down the road. Whether it be they just don't see it yet. They have to disconnect from pride in order to see it. Or life just teaches them something. And they realize, oh, man, that's what you were doing, God. Oh, my gosh. I I really didn't know the extent to what you were blessing me with and who you were blessing me with. And I chose a scummy situation because the scummy situation appeared sweet. The scummy situation appeared solid. The scummy situation appeared strong. And it's just straight scum, trash, garbage, filth, cesspool. And now one has to aim through that debris. Understanding what they did, their part they played in it. And trusting God. That even that is working together for their good because now they've submitted fully to Christ. They've submitted fully to God. Okay, Lord, I've done that. Okay. It's working together for my good because I yield to you right now. I'm yoked to you. I'm letting it all go. Whatever I thought my way would produce, your way is better than mine. Whatever thoughts I thought would take me to a certain level, Lord, your thoughts are better than mine. Let me do it your way. Your aim could be to be a God-honoring example. 
to your family, your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, people in the community, your church, wherever you go. Your aim could be to stop engaging in that dishonorable habit, addiction, or lifestyle. Your aim could be to be a patient caregiver, enjoying every day instead of thinking and seeing every day as a burden and a bother. Your God-honoring aim could be to get to bed at a decent hour. Man, man, man. And that is an aim. Because the debris of busyness can really try to distract somebody. Distracting an individual from even getting adequate rest to pursue and complete the aims God placed on the inside of them. Another person's God-honoring aim could be to discontinue strife, discontinue and stay away from gossip, discontinue walking in bitterness. A person's God-honoring aim could be to exercise more, eat healthier at all times, to sow, to give, to shut up, to pray. But whatever you do, whatever God has placed on the inside of you to pursue and complete, remember, God placed those aims on the inside of you. God purposed you for those aims. He planted you so that you could bear much fruit. And God anointed you and chose you and appointed you So if he did that, he's looking out for you. But as you are aiming towards those targets of completion, doubts could set in. The doubt of, is this even making a difference? Did God tell me to do this? Am I in the right place? Does it even matter? Do they even care? Have they ever cared? Did I really plant a seed in their life? Do they even remember? Will this even matter? Lord, you said it's going to bear much fruit, but it looks like the crops are dead over here. Lord, you said that I would receive a harvest, but it's sure taking a long time. I don't see anything coming up. When will I get mine? Where is mine at? Did you tell me to do this, Lord? Because I, I just don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know. Lord, my life is not looking the way I thought it was going to look. My life not even going the way I thought it was going to go. Lord, I, I feel like I'm all the way backwards. And it, it looks like I'm not progressing. Lord, I'm over here doing what you said to do. I'm decreeing. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm trusting you. I'm sowing. Lord, I don't say this disrespectfully, but what's up? What is the deal? Lord, okay, okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay? He's going to fulfill what he said he would fulfill in my life. All right. But Lord, 
I'm tired of going around this year after year and it looks like nothing's changed. Month after month, week after week, day after day. What's going on? Why does this look so wrong? It looked like I was going down the right path and things were happening, but what's up with this standstill? What's up with this setback? Lord, what's up with this set up? Lord, what's going on with these people... I thought these people was going to be with me for the long haul. They, they gone. They leaving. What? I didn't even know this was going on behind my back. thought this was my friend. All because I started doing this? I'm receiving backlash? Lord, did you call me to do this? Okay, you told me to do this, but where are the funds? Where are the finances? Okay, you told me to tell this individual this, but the way things are going, it doesn't look like this is even lining up. Lord, what? I was sure this was going to happen in my life sooner. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with this? This looks wrong, Lord. I'm having doubts. See, when those doubts come, it's important to stay the course. The course of trusting God, trusting His Word, and having faith that what He said He would do in your life and what He put into action in your life and you're obeying what He said to do, God's Word never returns to Him void. God's Word will never Return to him useless without accomplishing what he desires to do in your life. God's word will not return to him without succeeding in the matter for which he sent his word. Everything, all things, in your obedience and love to God, it is all working together for your good. It's going according to God's way. It's going according to God's thoughts. It's going according to God's word. It's going according to how God appointed you, how God planted you, how God chose you, how God anointed you to fulfill his purpose. Don't let your doubts don't give your doubts permission to derail you. Don't give your doubts permission to defeat you. Don't give your doubts permission to discourage you. Do not give your doubts permission to dismantle your faith in God. Do not give your doubts permission to distract you. Do not give your doubts permission to dissuade you. Do not give your doubts permission to deaden your hope in God. Do not give your doubts permission to diminish your God-honoring pursuits and desires. Do not give your doubts permission to destroy your vision. Do not give your doubts permission to desecrate what God has declared holy in your life. Don't do it because if we receive the doubt and we give doubt permission to run rampant 
in our life. And if we give doubt any attention, and if we start conversing with doubt or seeking professional advice from doubt, asking doubt, doubt, what's wrong? What, what, what is the deal, doubt? Doubt will respond. Doubt will respond. And doubt is not going to speak to you alone. Doubt is going to call the others who've been lying dormant, just waiting for you to seek a conversation and an audience with doubt. So doubt's going to call. Insecurity. Oh, they talking to me. They not gonna mind. Come on, insecurity, come up here. Hurry up. Hurry up. Doubt's going to call anxiety. And he's going or doubt is going to tell anxiety. Lay it on them thick. You know what to do. All right. Hey, worry. I ain't leave you out. Come on, hurry up. The door's still open. Hurry up. Worry. Come on, anxiety. You're moving too slow. Hurry up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurry up. Hey, come here. Comparison, come on, come on. I need you to hurry up. They doubt in the situation. We need them to stay low. All right, let's. Everybody here? Anxiety, worry, comparison, complaining, bitterness, worry. I said anxiety, okay. Who else? Insecurity, fear. Yeah, fear. Come on now. Hurry up, fear. Oh, past trauma. Come on, hurry up. Hurry up. You know what to do. <laughs> Come through. All right, everybody here? Let me go submit this checklist to my master. Satan. You can't play with doubt. Doubt has no chance when you start declaring God's word in the midst of doubt trying to scream and get your attention. Once you start declaring God's word, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. All things are working together for my good. Doubt is doing. Y'all, don't even show up. We, we can't come to this party. They, no visitors. They're not inviting us. They're not inviting us in. They're talking about God. Let me leave. Because I, 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 can't, I can't be around this. If you entertain doubt long enough, a door is being widened. For Satan to come on in, where your doubts are magnified, and any aims that you were working on that glorified God, they're at a halt because the enemy has shifted your attention from completing God honoring aims and trusting God to. Okay, trust in yourself of what you can't do, and then keep doubting yourself. Keep looking at that. Because when you keep doubting, you know, you're really looking at your abilities of what you can't do apart from God. But <laughs> you're really not supposed to be looking at that. You're supposed to be looking at what you can't do and how God is going to empower you and how he's with you. But I had to shift your focus, and I had to use doubt, you know, to do that. That's why you can't play with doubt. Don't doubt the aims God placed on the inside of you no matter what is going on. God gave them to you. 
He purposed you for them. He anointed you for them. He chose you for them. Because he needed his aims completed by and through you in this earth's realm. And if we don't fulfill the God-honoring aims God placed on the inside of us to complete for his kingdom and his glory, and for our benefit, no doubt, the Lord knows how to get somebody else. He knows how to get somebody else who is willing to yield and yoke with his word, trust him, and dispel, disregard, discard doubt. You can't play with it. The question is, who are you going to let in or allow in your soul, your will, your heart, and emotions when doubt comes up? And these God-honoring aims are looking like failures to you. Who are you going to let speak to you? Whose voice are you going to listen to and hold fast to? Will it be the voice of failure? The voice of defeat? The voice of insecurity, worry, anxiety, comparison traps, complaining, bitterness, gossip, pride? Or will you heed to the voice of Jesus and the voice of God? So when those doubts come up, you hear, okay, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it whose voice are you going to listen to when it gets tough and things were going smooth and then as you were doing what God told you to do you were attacked and doubts just start flooding your mind flooding your heart doubts started coming not only in you or from you, let me say that. They were coming from people who were close to you. What you gonna do, girl? I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, what you gonna do is looking real bad for you. I'm not wishing bad on you, but what you gonna do, man? What, what you gonna do about that? Because I can't help you this time. As if they're God. But going back. I can't help you, man. What you, what you going to do? It's looking real, real rough for you, man. Brother, I, I don't even think that a prayer <laughs> will help you out at this point, boy. It sounds like you, you cursed or something, man. See, doubts are debris. Doubts serve as aim debris. Whether it be internally from you or externally from somebody else. And outside of fam somebody, family, friend, whatever. 
you still can't pick up the doubt. You have to deliberately dismantle the doubt from the throne of your mind and from the throne of the conversation taking place if you're speaking to an outsider. Most of the time, doubt runs away. But if doubt is standing alongside pride, that's a different ball game. For example, let's say a person is speaking to you. You are believing God to fulfill this God-honoring aim he placed on the inside of you. It's been a journey. Other people don't see the manifestation. Other people don't see the demonstration. Other people don't see the evidence. Other people don't see the fruit. Other people don't see the harvest. But you know what God told you to do. You know that. These individuals have an awareness of your relationship with God and what you are doing. And they could possibly come up to you and say, oh, yeah, when you working on that God-honoring name? What's up with that? What's going on with that? Because it's been a while, haven't it? I mean, what's, what's going on with that? Doubt is trying to appear. Doubt is trying to come up. Doubt is trying to get your attention. And you could respond without responding with, all things are working together for my good. All right, now have a good one. Now, in some cases, some people will leave you alone if you respond in a manner like that. But if you responded in the same manner like that with a person who wants or is being used by doubt to get your attention, used by Satan to get your attention, and they are coexisting and buddy-buddy with pride, it'll go like, Hey, how you doing? You working on that God I aim? And how's that going for you? Because I don't see any fruit. I mean, how's it working for you? All is well. God is working everything together for my good. All things are working together for my good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I know you know the Bible. I know that, but where's that, though? Because you did all of that, and I don't see nothing. So what's going on with it? Was it worth it? Doing all this guy stuff. So tell me the developing stages of how it began and where you are now and what you hope it to be. Let's talk. All things are working together. And that, 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 I, 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 so you a failure, basically. <laughs> Doing all that God stuff. See, in situations like that, a lot is going on. Yes, pride is there. Yes, doubt is there. But sometimes individuals who allow doubt and pride to come into their life to attack you and then they use their mouth to curse what God has blessed and God has blessed you and those God honoring aims they don't even realize that when they are doing that they're cursing themselves because they're not really speaking against you they're speaking against what God is doing in you, through you, to you, and for you. And it would have been a benefit for them. But since they chose to curse and mock and disrespect what God is doing through 
his representative, who he chose, who he appointed, who he anointed, who he placed, and who he purposefully planted to bear fruit and to keep on bearing fruit that will remain and be lasting, that person can't partake. They cannot partake in that fruit. And they don't even know that by them operating in pride and doubt and disrespect now and mockery, they curse themselves. That wasn't by happenstance that God directed those individuals' steps to cross each other. It was by design. And one individual continued aiming towards their God-honoring targets while another individual chose to go a different way, say a different thing, and disrespect God's representative. But they really disrespected their own self and those connected to them. And some of you all know that that is so true. It happens like that. I want to go over a passage of scripture where this motivational aim, doubted aims, is present. And this individual was a great man, is a great man, and he experienced doubt as he was aiming towards his God-honoring targets. Now, he was experiencing great success, but as some of you know, who are really aiming towards your God-honoring target goals, the way God tells you to aim towards them. When you're doing what God says to do, there are a lot of people who do not and will not like what you're doing for God. And there are a lot of people who do not want to hear the truth about what God said. And... They marvel at what you say. They can't believe that you have that type of wisdom and discernment and discretion, understanding, knowledge, and revelation. So they like listening to you. But it's only for a short amount of time. Because truth be told, they really can't stand talking to you. Because you keep talking about God. God is your foundation. God is your source, God is your center, God is your joy, and some people cannot stand how you honor the Lord with your body, in your body, with your actions, with your words, and in your deeds, and some people just hate that, they hate it, and what those types of people do, who give Satan permission and they allow Satan to use them because they've yielded to bitterness, hatred, dishonor, disrespect. Those individuals will do anything and just about everything to shut you up. They, they'll just do it. They want to shut you up. They want to hear what you have to say, but they really want to shut you up and silence you and stop you. Because you know too much. All because of the way you live. 
and the way you live exposes the way they are living and they are shamed about it. Because the people in their sphere, in their circle, they accept it. They praise it, how they live. It's wrong, it's not right, but those types of people, they have their own little hub, their own little community, so to speak. And people within that hub, that circle, that group, they all praise the dishonorable things that they are doing. And they make each other feel good by boosting each other up, gassing each other up. And when they step out of that group, that hub, that so-called community, and they step in front of or around an individual who is living for God, that light of Christ shine so strong and so brightly on what that individual chooses to do, which is wrong, that individual does not want to be around the one aiming to live and do what God has commanded them to do. Because the person who is doing what God says to do They don't agree with darkness. They don't agree with wickedness. They don't agree with evil. They don't agree with dishonor. But the one who's engaged in the wrong, they'll want to silence the one proclaiming what is right. I don't care what it is. They want to silence them and shut them up and stop them. All because of the way A person who is honoring God, their life exposes the way that the individual who is operating in wickedness, it's exposing how they live and they're ashamed about it. They don't like how it makes them feel uncomfortable. They can't be praised for their wrong because they're walking in pride also. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't like that. They feel exposed and naked. They They don't like that. When you experience aimed doubts, there are three things you might want to consider doing. And you can feel free to write these down. The first thing you want to do is to remind yourself who God says and who God said you are. Number two, remember how the Lord confirmed what he called you to do and who he called you to be. And then number three, meditate on how God's word never returns void in your life despite the challenges you faced and will face. Although things don't look right, the evidence is there and the doubts hold no weight regarding the truth of God's purpose and promises and fruit he's established and endorse and confirmed you to continually bear. But you have to keep going. But the individual in scripture who experienced some aimed outs, it was several individuals in scripture, but this is the one I want to key in on, target in on. It is John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist is a key individual. And I will provide the scriptural references as I continue. But I encourage you to read the Bible and those passages on your own in their entirety. Okay. But in Luke, the first chapter, we learn about John the Baptist. His parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth. And John the Baptist, his father, was a priest. And we are made aware in the Bible that both of John's parents were righteous in the sight of God. They did not have any children because John's mother was barren at that time. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were both well advanced in years. John's father, Zechariah, he was a priest, as I stated. And while he was at work one day at church, serving as a priest before God, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And when Zechariah saw the angel, he was troubled and fear took possession of him. The angel of the Lord told Zechariah, the Lord has heard your prayers. You and your wife will bear a son. And then the Lord gave Zechariah a God-honoring aim regarding his son. God named the God-honoring aim in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. He let the parents know the son's name would be John and the angel of the Lord told Zechariah that the God-honoring aim that the Lord would give him would produce joy and delight in Zechariah's life, Elizabeth's life, as well as the lives or in the lives of so many other people. People would rejoice over the birth of John the Baptist. People would rejoice over the creation, the planting, the purpose, and the blessing of Zechariah and Elizabeth's aim. And that's important because before John's birth, God purposefully planted John with his parents. God purposefully planted John in the location he would be, completing his God-honoring aims. And God purposefully planted the time John and his parents would fulfill the God-honoring aims God placed on the inside of them. God also purposefully declared who John was and who John would be and what John would do. And in Luke, the first chapter in the 15th through the 17th verse, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay? So we see right there how God already declared and proclaimed who John would be in this earth's realm. 
God said he would be a joy. God said he would be a delight to Zechariah and Elizabeth. God said that many will rejoice because of John's birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. God said that John is never to take wine or other fermented drink. God said he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. God said that he, John the Baptist, will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. God said John the Baptist will go on before the Lord Jesus in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's what God said about John the Baptist. God said all of those things about John the Baptist and his God-honoring aims that he would complete and fulfill. And God instructed Zechariah on the God-honoring aims he placed on the inside of Zechariah and Elizabeth to complete. And those aims, all of them, from all individuals, would glorify the kingdom of God and that is important to keep in mind keep in mind everything that God said about the God honoring aims of Zechariah Elizabeth and John the Baptist keep in mind Luke the first chapter in the 15th through the 17th verse now we jump to Matthew the third chapter now when you read the word of God, you see in Matthew, the third chapter, that John the Baptist is an adult. God's word did not return to God void. John the Baptist is an adult. And John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He was telling people to repent. He was living a life set apart from other people, doing things God's way. People knew he was set apart based off of his physical appearance and how he carried himself and how he preached. John the Baptist, he went off on hypocrites. He was unapologetic about living for God. He was unapologetic about following God and following the God-honoring aims God placed on the inside of him. That is in Matthew, the third chapter and the first through the 12th verse. When you go down to the 13th verse of that same chapter, Matthew the 3rd chapter, you see how John baptized Jesus. And even in that momentous event in history, we see God's word come to fruition. God said that he would go before the Lord, John the Baptist would go before the Lord in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that is what John the Baptist was doing. John the Baptist, when you read your Bible, he was preparing the way, letting people know Jesus was on the way before Jesus showed up. John the Baptist was telling people what they needed to do and he prepared the way for people to see 
the reason and true meaning of baptism. And Father God, the Lord, planted John the Baptist to baptize Jesus for individuals to turn to Jesus and give glory to God so that all of the God-honoring aims God declared would be fulfilled. Everything John was doing was not only a sign, but it was a confirmation of the God-honoring aims God placed on the inside of him, John the Baptist, and his parents. Now, as you read Matthew the 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th chapters, you'll see how John prepared the way for Jesus. He was preaching to people the importance of salvation. And as Jesus is leading people to the Father, Father God, letting them know that He is the Messiah and He is the Savior, Jesus is also showing evidence that He's a healer. So Jesus is healing people, teaching people, performing miracles. Jesus called his disciples. He sent other disciples to prepare the way in various towns and cities so that they could accept the good news of Christ. So that's going on. John the Baptist is preparing the way as well. But then we get to Matthew, the 11th chapter. It picks up with Jesus going to teach and preach in the town of Galilee. At this time, John the Baptist, he was put in prison because he told someone what they were doing was absolutely wrong. And the person who was doing the wrong didn't like that John the Baptist was out here proclaiming the good news of Christ, exposing wrong so people could change and turned to God, the person doing the wrong didn't like that. The person doing the wrong did not want to stop living the way that they were living, although it was detestable. So the person doing the wrong, of course, didn't like John the Baptist. And the person doing the wrong wanted to punish John the Baptist for exposing and calling out the wrongs they were doing. That's why John the Baptist was in prison when John was in prison he heard about the deeds and the miracles and what Jesus was doing so John the Baptist sent his disciples his own disciples to ask Jesus are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else this is the part I want to expound on. I want to give you that context, but this is what I want to expound on. You have a man completing God-honoring goals. He's thrown in prison for doing the right thing. He's isolated for doing the right thing. He's cast aside for doing the right thing. Lord, you told me I was going to be a joy and a delight. This is not delightful or joyful. 
Would you said that people would rejoice over my birth, but these people are not joyful and rejoicing. Father God, you said I would go before the Lord and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Making ready a people prepared for you, Lord. Why am I in prison right now? Everything was going right. I was baptizing people. I baptized Jesus, Father God. Why am I in prison? John was in prison. He was confined, isolated. And he heard about what Jesus was doing. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? And have you ever been in that state or situation before? You know what God called you to do. You know the God-honoring aims God commanded you and told you to complete. You know what God purposed in your heart to do for him. You know what you're living it. But you hit an obstacle. And then you hit a challenge. You hit a point where you're isolated. You're left all to yourself by yourself. You're attacked for pursuing and completing your God-honoring aims. And then these feelings start setting in. Because it's getting real uncomfortable for you. You did the right thing. You've been calling people out. You've been addressing and confronting wrong all this while. You've been doing what God said to do. You've been preaching the word of God, ministering the word of God, sowing the word of God, living, aiming to live according to the word of God. And now you are thrown in prison, thrown in a prison-like state, a prison-like situation, a prison-like circumstance. It's uncomfortable. Have you ever asked Jesus in that scenario, in that state, in that situation, have you ever asked the Lord, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Did you call me to do this? Am I looking at this wrong, Lord? I'm here because I did what you told me to do. Lord, is this what you told me to do or should I be doing something else? Have you ever been there? When John was experiencing aimed out, Because the doubt came in when he said, or he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one who the Lord confirmed that I was preparing the way for? Are you the one I'm going through? Are you the one? Or should I be expecting somebody else? Should I be going down a different route? Is this the God-honoring aim, Lord? Or should I be doing something else? I just need to know because it's, it's rough out here right now. Things have totally changed and transformed into something that I was not expecting. Lord, is this right 
What is going on? Have you ever been there? John was experiencing aimed doubt. And when the doubt came to Jesus, when the doubt was delivered to Jesus, Jesus only responded with the miracle signs and wonders and truths that were taking place. Jesus was, in a sense, letting John know, John, now you know God called you. And you know God sent you before me to prepare the way. You know that. And you know I am the Messiah. You see the evidence. You've heard the evidence. You know, John, the Holy Spirit was in you, or is in you, placed in you before you were even born. So the Holy Spirit has already confirmed that you already know I'm the one. I know it's rough and I know these doubts are coming up in your mind. But John, look at the evidence. The blind receive their sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. John, you already know that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that I am the one, I am the Messiah. Because of the healing power that is on the inside of me. John, you already know. You know that although you were thinking things were going to go one way. You know what Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and the 8th through the 11th verse says, John. And just as Jesus responded to John as he went through aimed doubts, Jesus and the Holy Spirit respond to us in a similar fashion. They don't entertain the doubt. They expose the word of God in front of the doubt. So when doubt wants to speak and say, is this even right? Because I don't even know. I just don't even know. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus respond with truth. And I believe there are a lot of people, because I've done it, where one has doubted their God-honoring aims. If you are doing what God commanded you to do, as it relates to your God-honoring aims, the Lord knows how to speak to you. The Holy Spirit knows how to counsel you and remind you what God's Word is concerning you. And although, going back to Scripture, although John the Baptist was in a state, in a situation, in a space where doubts could arise due to his current condition, it did not negate the fact that God's Word is true and was true for him. Everything God said about John and John's God-honoring aims, none of God's words about John and those God-honoring aims returned to the Lord void. Even though John experienced doubts, even though despair showed up, discouragement showed up, and uncomfortability showed up, The truth dispelled what doubt was trying to present in John's life. And we can learn from that. 
when we hit these obstacles, these challenges, these setbacks, and these uncomfortable situations, yes, one can doubt if they are making the right decisions. Are they going down the right path? Do they have it together? Are they doing the right thing? Is God in this? Lord, was I looking at this right? I I don't even know. Did God tell me to do this? I I don't know. I don't think it's going the right way because I, I, I didn't have this plan this way. When those doubts come up, what you want to do is remind yourself, number one, going back to that list, number one, remind yourself who God said and says you are. That means remembering God's word about you. Go back to every promise God told you regarding your identity in him. One promise is Psalm, the 139th chapter in the 14th verse. Number two, you want to make it your aim to remember how the Lord confirmed what he called you to do and who God called you to be. Meaning those moments when you felt unqualified and not important or insecure or not fit for the God-honoring aim God placed on the inside of you. Although you possibly felt those feelings and thought those thoughts about what God was calling you to do, Jesus came right on in and confirmed what he chose you to do. Similar to what happened with John the Baptist. Number three, when doubts come in, what you want to aim to do is meditate on God's word. Meditate on how God's word never returns to him void in your life despite the challenges you're facing or you faced. Now, although you might feel or you're experiencing isolation and you're going through, God already confirmed and God already stated that you were going to complete great God-honoring aims. And guess what? You have, and you will continue to bear much fruit and keep on bearing as you obey God and do things His way, despite what it looks like. The outcome and the plan of God for your life is so much greater than any doubt in your mind. Trying to get you to say something to cancel out what God has for you. The aim is to diffuse your doubts with the decree and declaration of God's word and God's promises on and in your life and for your life, okay? I encourage you to go ahead and review Psalm, the 139th chapter and the 14th verse, Romans 8, 28, Isaiah, the 55th chapter and the 8th through the 17th verse, Isaiah the 54th chapter and the 17th verse, Matthew the 3rd chapter all the way to the 11th chapter, and then John the 15th chapter and the 16th verse, and then read Luke the 1st chapter in the 15th through the 17th verse, okay? 
thank you all for tuning in. Feel free to visit drkenitrabryant.com. Enjoy y'all's day. Remain encouraged. Remain empowered. Remain enlightened in the word of God as you continue pursuing your God-honoring aims in the midst of any doubts that come up. God's plan, remember this, God's plan, God's purpose for you is so nice, even when you don't understand it. In due time, your doubts will be eradicated with insight, revelation, and understanding, and truth, and light. But the aim is to just keep on aiming, keep praying, keep walking in faith, love, hope, obedience, and in God-honoring integrity and truth. All right? Peace and God bless.